0: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
1: Good evening and thanks for joining us. The man convicted in the Amanda Todd sextortion case has had his sentence more than halved. A Dutch court shaving years off the punishment a Canadian judge had given to Aidan Coban.
0: But as Catherine Urquhart reports, Todd's mother says the fact that Coban remains in prison means Amanda's story isn't being forgotten.
2: Inside the Amsterdam District Court, a panel of judges announces they're reducing the sentence of a man convicted for his role in the death of B.C. teen Amanda Todd. Aidan Coban's 13-year prison sentence now just six years. Amanda's mother says she's at peace with the ruling. I'm happy with the six years. I know that 13 years is what, what was what came down in in the courts last summer. Um, But as you know, there's different judicial laws in every country. Coban was found guilty in B.C. for extortion, criminal harassment and child pornography charges after 15-year-old Amanda Todd died by suicide in 2012. Just before that, she uploaded a video detailing the abuse she suffered.
3: Myself today.
2: While Coban was tried and sentenced in Canada, he was returned to the Netherlands to serve his sentence at the discretion of the Dutch legal system. Under their laws, six years was the maximum sentence and more than Dutch prosecutors proposed. The Amsterdam District Court ruling states in part... By committing the offences in Canada, or at least committing the offences against a victim in Canada, the convicted person has taken the risk of being punished more severely than in the Netherlands. This risk is is his responsibility 13 years six years it won't bring amanda back but her story is going to help others and it's going to help save lives and my whole role is awareness and advocacy and um, that that's the passionate response it's funny when you ask that because many people have said why aren't you more angry because anger doesn't get anything done koban's lawyer says he plans to appeal the decision in the supreme court of the netherlands in an effort to have the sentence further reduced. Coban is now serving a separate 11-year sentence for cyberbullying dozens of young girls and men. Catherine Urquhart, Global News.
1: A woman has been charged with human trafficking in Langley after an investigation spanning nearly a year. As Erin McArthur reports, RCMP say the case is complex and it's not over yet.
4: The investigation launched after a seemingly isolated 911 call from this gas station on 88th Avenue.
5: The attendant reported that an injured, distressed adult female walked in and asked to call police.
4: A search of the next-door motel revealed a suspect and brought an assault charge against Jennifer Lynn Stevens. Stevens skipped her July court date and while she was wanted on a Canada-wide warrant Langley RCMP slowly pieced together a much larger investigation. When Stevens was rearrested December 7th, 14 charges were approved by Crown counsel, including trafficking a person under 18, forcible confinement, and the material benefit of the sexual services of a minor. Police won't say how many victims there are, but will confirm multiple women are involved.
5: I think the most important thing is that the victims need to know that they're not alone. Um, and even though it may be difficult to come forward, uh, I think it's important to do so.
4: Human trafficking charges are rare in Canada. The investigation's often complex, and victims unable or unwilling to come forward. Experts in sexual-based violence say it's almost unheard of for a woman to be acting alone in a case like this.
3: It is more common where we'll see a woman perhaps involved in some kind of organized uh, um, subculture of exploitation that would uh, ultimately involve uh, other people, but usually led by a man.
4: The Langley RCMP continue their investigation. Jennifer Lynn Stevens remains in custody. Her next court appearance is in Surrey, January 3rd.
0: Aaron MacArthur, Global News. The Vancouver School Board is investigating an incident that had a Westside high school in lockdown this morning when a staff member brought a replica rifle to class. Police say another staff member saw someone walking into Lord Bing secondary with the rifle seen in this image in the hands of a VPD officer just after 8 a.m. Let's see if we can get that image up for you. You'll see it in a moment. Anyway, the school was locked down. And during the search, police found the staff member with the replica rifle. Officers don't believe the staff member had any criminal intent, but they will work with the school to make sure this doesn't happen again. I'm not sure what was in the teacher's mind at the time of bringing a firearm to the school. My understanding, it is an experienced teacher. It was for a presentation, probably for some sort of history lesson. Um, There's more than
6: one
3: thing to be learned today, obviously, um, and we will work with them in the future to make sure that we don't find ourselves in this situation.
0: This isn't the first time a school staff member has created a gun scare in a Metro Vancouver school. In November of last year, Walnut Grove Secondary in Langley was locked down when a staff member brought in a prop firearm for a Remembrance Day display.
1: A Coquitlam family is sharing a warning with others after almost falling prey to a door-to-door scam.
0: The suspects said they represented one of Canada's big telecom companies and almost got away with a SIM swap scam until a family member stepped in at just the right time. Angela Jung reports.
7: A trio identifying as Rogers' salesman with a tempting deal. We
8: had exclusive cell phone deals. Uh, that are only for people that are with Shaw.
7: It happened Tuesday <laughs> nights. Lorraine Burgen says things appeared normal at first.
2: Very charming, very nice. Seemed like an, a really nice guy. Do you
3: have any ID? I mean, we have, a, yes. We have Rogers at like Codes. Okay. Yeah, employee IDs.
7: The man didn't show any official ID, just pointed to his iPad. Instead, he asked for her ID.
2: So that they could check my credit and so on. And then he would come back the next day to put in a SIM card in my in my cell phone.
8: So this is where I was sitting downstairs. I saw someone came to the door, didn't think much of it.
7: Her grandson was watching the interaction through their security app. He sensed something was off and stepped in.
8: They didn't have the Rogers branding on their jackets. They didn't have ID. They couldn't prove who they were. Uh, he just had a bunch of loose SIM cards in his pocket. It's just like, hey guys, we're not interested. Like, like, th- thanks for coming by. He but
7: says he politely he asked them to leave time. and was shocked when they came back a short time later.
8: My grandfather has dementia and, you know, he let them in the house and, and uh, you know, it it is violating to see them come into the house.
7: The family believes the men were attempting the widespread SIM swap scam, using SIM cards to access bank and personal information. Rogers has confirmed to Global News the three men are not its employees. Lamar CMP are investigating, looking to identify the men. Educate
2: your grandparents on these types of scams. So if they do fall victim to it or they're in a circumstance where they feel like it's happening to them, they already know about it.
7: As for Burgeon, she says the ordeal has taught her a lesson and wants to spread awareness. I might have got sucked in and um, I just want to prevent other people from from that happening to them. Bergen says in the future, she won't be opening the doors to strangers. Angela Jung, Global News.
1: And attention all Swifties. North Vancouver RCMP are warning about an online scam involving the sale of tickets to upcoming Taylor Swift concerts. Police say they have received two reports in which victims responded to ads for the tickets on Facebook Marketplace. When the e-transfers were made, the supposed seller stopped communicating. Police say unless you know the seller personally, you should avoid sending money via e-transfer. And if the price is too good to be true, it probably is.
4: We know it's an anticipated concert and fans are looking for it and the scam artists are utilizing that to their advantage. What we recommend is coming into the police station with a safe exchange zone right in front of the police station that's audio and video recorded for your safety and that's where
0: it could be done.
1: RCMP says similar incidents have happened across Metro Vancouver and the rest of the country.
0: Parks Canada is facing criticism for its deer eradication on one of the Gulf Islands. Opponents say the cull is outrageously wasteful. A foreign company has been hired to kill more than 80 animals on Sydney Island at a cost that works out to close to $10,000 per deer. Paul Johnson reports.
6: When Parks Canada carried out its deer kill on Sydney Island earlier this month, took place after weeks of protest by animal rights activists and a handful of islanders. Their concern was that the practice of aerial shooting to remove wildlife was inhumane. With that project complete, there's a new point of controversy. The The cost is um, disturbing, it's unsustainable, and I think, again, it's a knee-jerk reaction to a much more complex problem. Parks Canada says it spent $834,000 on the chopper-based portion of its project to restore vegetation by getting rid of non-native deer, making the apparent cost to taxpayers almost $10,000 per animal. And that's without counting the million or so they appear to have spent on prep work. Ian McAllister is with the conservation group Pacific Wild. It makes far more sense to have, you know, locals who know what they're doing, uh, you know, managing the deer population at a vastly reduced cost and in a much safer environment. And in the case of Sydney Island, there actually is a locally organized and funded deer hunt. Since 2014, ground-based hunters have killed more than 1,800 deer on the island at zero cost to taxpayers, which prompted this observation from Franco Terrazzano of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. It's actually hard to fathom how the government was even able to spend this much money hunting deer when deer hunters will do this for free, he said. Why did the government need a chopper? Was it trying to film Rambo 6? We reached out to Parks Canada for comment on the price of the operation, but didn't hear back in time for this report. It's really a technology-driven, quick-fix, knee-jerk reaction um, to a much more complex ecosystem problem. Paul Johnson, Global News.
1: Signs of life in Lytton. Hopefully come the spring, everything will just fall into place. The first construction project to kickstart rebuilding two and a half years after wildfires roared through the region. Why this is such an important milestone? Next on the News Hour.
9: There's lots of people who are outside on the sidewalk because there's nowhere else to go.
0: A year in review with David Eby, the premier, floating a new idea to clear the tents from Vancouver streets. And the housing he's promising to get rid of coming up on the News Hour.
1: Also tonight, the weight loss drug that works a little too well. How some people are overdosing on Ozempic still to come tonight.
0: Right now, though, finally light at the end of the tunnel for residents of Lytton, two and a half years after a wildfire destroyed almost the entire town.
1: As Kristen Robinson reports, residents who've endured endless frustrating delays have finally begun rebuilding.
5: Nearly 30 months after a wildfire destroyed her Lytton home and most of the other buildings in the village, construction is finally underway on Lillian Gray's new house. It was one thing after another, so by the time we had money and we had weather to do things, we were into 2022. When the foundation was poured on the lower floor of the Station Street home earlier this week, it marked the start of Lytton's rebuild.
10: 904 days today
0: we've endured this and it is it's been a struggle for everybody in this community. It's
2: been a long long time this is the third Christmas people have been um, displaced from
5: our community. This past fall Gray and her partner received the first residential building permit following the June 2021 fire that devastated the village and neighboring Lytton First Nation killing two people and displacing hundreds. We lost everything and We had the clothes on our back and our dogs in the car and that was it. Reconstruction has been slow with debris removal and soil remediation delays complicated by archaeological work and the insurance process. There was just so many steps
1: and it took so long but we're at a really good place now I think as a village. Rebuilding is going to be
8: starting full force. Starting in March we're going to have at least 20 homes that will be underway.
5: The hope is core businesses including a grocery store will
0: also return. People still want to come back not everyone we've lost quite a few.
11: One house is better than none and I like few fifth wheels have come in as, as
5: construction shacks so there's hope there's going to be more built this spring. Gray believes the province should have a plan in place for similar natural disasters with her cement now curing under a tarp she expects to have her new fire resilient home finished before the summer. If another fire comes through here I don't want to ever have to do this again. I think we're going to see more of these and we need to be aware that this could be a new normal so we need to prepare for that. Kristen Robinson, Global News.
0: 2023 has been the busiest year yet for Vancouver firefighters with the highest number of calls ever for the department. Vancouver Fire Rescue Services says as of yesterday crews had responded to 70,406 calls surpassing a previous record set back in 2017 of nearly 67,000. They say, unfortunately, they've responded to a high number of overdoses in addition to fires. Just two weeks ago, Vancouver Fire Chief Karen Fry raised alarms over the rising number of emergencies throughout the city, warning of potential burnout among firefighters responding to so many calls every day.
1: Well, last year when David Eby became BC's premier, he promised to bring an end to tent cities and encampments on the downtown east side. But while there are now fewer tents than one year ago, they are still there.
0: In a year-end interview with Global News, Eby says getting rid of the tents remains a priority for 2024, along with opening up more daytime shelter space.
12: It continues to be one of the province's most visible challenges. Open drug use, sidewalk markets and tents still line Hastings Street. And the government throwing out yet another new idea.
9: There's lots of people who are outside uh, on the sidewalk because there's nowhere else to go. So daytime spaces inside where they're able to come in during the day. A lot of the shelters are only open at night. In a wide-ranging year-end interview, Premier David
12: Eby putting forward an idea for what will happen on the downtown east side in 2024. This includes expanding the hours of shelters to include daytime use for those living on the streets.
9: They don't have a place that they can use as a base uh, to make calls to to access services. And while the province has added 500 new housing units in the area, the goal is to add even more permanent housing. Longer term, though, uh, it's about identifying those parcels of property owned by nonprofits, by government, by the private
12: sector, and working together around redevelopment. The province committing, though, to stay away from one type of accommodations: the premier phasing out SROs, single room occupancy accommodations. But no details yet on to how and by when.
9: are unlivable in the summer because they're too hot they got bugs
12: Uh, half of them are only half full. There has been constant pressure on the government from businesses working downtown. The footprint of the downtown east side continues to grow including an increase in crime and vandalism.
13: They didn't do anything yet.
12: EB acknowledging
9: the pressure high to clean up those concerns. It's also Chinatown, Gastown, the experience people have when they come come in on cruise ships. Uh, We want to be proud of our downtown. The
12: commitment is to start implementing these changes before British Columbians head to the polls next October. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
1: And Richard's full interview with Premier David Eby will air 6.30 on Boxing Day.
0: And just ahead here, what happens when this is not the most wonderful time of the year?
14: If you want to stay safe and secure at home, that's okay.
0: Help for families navigating grief over the holidays,
1: and the volunteer tracker inspiring calls for a better system to search for the missing and murdered.
15: Still, some leftover volume over here for southbound traffic at the Patello Bridge. Crews cleared a stalled vehicle at mid-span, and traffic is slow to recover from the New Westminster side. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass' newest location is in Vancouver on Southwest Marine Drive, conveniently located between Cambie and Oak. Kermak, the most trusted name in collision repair for 50 years. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: First Nations families in B.C. with missing loved ones are calling for a broader Indigenous-led search and rescue effort across the country.
0: The idea stems from an Indigenous man who has dedicated his life to finding missing people using his traditional knowledge as a tracker. Garcha reports.
14: Hello. Hello. My name is Warren. Warren. Chelsea's father. Carl. I'm missing uh, my son too for a over- little year now.
16: Two fathers, both with missing children, meet, offering solace Mm -hmm. through shared pain while discussing how to help each other.
14: Training people that want to be a part of this uh, search and rescue, you know, we need quads, we need trucks, we need drones and dogs.
16: With his family, Carl Schooner drove 10 hours to meet Warren Holmes, whose daughter Chelsea Heron's remains were recently found thanks to the help of a volunteer known as Muckwa Bear.
6: All I charge is, is to put food on a table and a bed to rest and I will search for your loved one.
16: Bear had recently traveled here after searching for months for Schooner's son, Carl Schooner Jr., who went missing from Williams Lake in December of 2022.
12: I just hope the outcome comes better for you guys.
14: Hope you find your son. Pain in here is just overwhelming sometimes.
12: Yeah, it is, man. He's crying constantly, man. That's what I was doing.
16: They hope for an Indigenous-led national search and rescue effort made up of people like Mukwa Bear, who's dedicated his life to using traditional knowledge as a tracker to help where others have failed. Before he returns to his search for schooner, Bear is stopping to help another family. And you're hoping people buy this and wear it to yes. raise awareness?
10: It's like yeah. a walking billboard, eh?
16: Right. Curtis Raphael says his son, Jay Preston Raphael, never returned from an outing in February.
10: We don't have closure. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he's alive.
16: These families are far from alone. According to national RCMP figures, in 2022, 13% of all missing adults were Indigenous, and 62% of all missing Indigenous adults were female. But advocates have long warned of a lack of awareness and full accounting of missing Indigenous people. I think that it's really important to understand that we're not unique in this. But it is very traumatic, and it takes a lot of people to ensure that it's done in the right way. They say there's a clear need for the kind of culturally sensitive, compassionate, and unwavering commitment of Makwa Bear.
14: He's gotten us through some really rough times.
16: Right across B.C. and across the country. Nitu Garcha, Global News, Saika's First Nation.
0: The holiday season can be a time of great joy, but it can also sharpen the pain of grief over loved ones lost.
1: At this time of year, hospice centres in Metro Vancouver are seeing an uptick in the number of people seeking bereavement support. Troy Charles reports.
3: For some, the holiday season is when their grief rises to the surface. This year might be the first time a certain special someone isn't in their usual spot at the dinner table. And that's where the team at the Langley Hospice Society steps in to help. For 40 years, the Langley Hospice Society has been there for people through their darkest days. Especially during the holiday season when they see an uptick in those wanting to talk about their loss.
14: They are our loved ones. We do want to talk about them. We don't want to have that all tucked away all the time.
3: For adult bereavement coordinator Stephanie Rosenkranz, it makes sense why grief comes on strong this time of year.
14: We make certain traditions. We take lots of photographs. We have you know, received special gifts at that time. So I think that is really what kind of heightens it. Plus, we're often really busy.
3: For those who may be struggling, Rosenkranz says to check in with yourself and acknowledge what you may or may not be able to handle.
14: I hear people say that, you know, I brought all the Christmas stuff up and I put up the Christmas tree and I stopped there. Like I physically couldn't do any more.
3: And that's okay.
14: Hey, if that's all you can do that year, that's great. If that's what you feel comfortable with, acknowledge that.
3: Executive Director Shannon Todd Booth showed us a different form of acknowledgement, one that's located on a very special Christmas tree.
2: We host it through the holidays and we invite uh, the public and our clients to um, share the name of their loved one with us and uh, to hang it on the tree.
3: With a focus on communication and self-care, both women say the daunting holiday season can be navigated and even help the healing process.
14: Grief is not going to go anywhere. Our capacity to carry that grief and move forward with it, with our person, that's what grows.
3: Troy Charles, Global News.
1: And if you are seeking help to deal with grief, you can always call a 24-hour B.C. bereavement helpline, one 779 2223
0: Coming up, a warning about weight loss drugs like Ozempic. What users are doing that puts them in danger. Later.
1: Also tonight, where this family of cougars was captured on camera.
6: Right where we're standing, this is like ground zero.
10: Some of the most iconic albums from the 80s and 90s were recorded right here in this Vancouver studio.
9: It's a combination of the building and the people.
6: We're
10: here to make a record. We're not here to have a party.
6: And we look up from the console, and they're gone.
10: Well, you have to be half shrink, half producer. You see, we record slippery when wet right down the
0: street.
15: Good evening. It's slow and steady for eastbound traffic along Highway 1 through Burnaby, with just minor congestion at merge points like Willingdon and Kensington. Kermac Collision and Auto Glass's newest location is in Vancouver on Southwest Marine Drive, conveniently located between Camby and Oak. Kermac, the most trusted name in collision repair for 50 years. I'm Trish Jewison in the Global Traffic Center.
1: Air Canada has been fined nearly $100,000 after a Prince George man was forced to drag himself off a plane last August.
0: Rodney Hodgins, who has cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair was told by staff when he arrived in Las Vegas he would have to make his own way off the plane. He dragged himself to the front of the aircraft, at which point he was helped onto a wheelchair. Then the crew that was supposed to help him get into the terminal never showed up. In a ruling today, the Canadian Transportation Agency says Air Canada failed to help Hodgins get off the plane and failed to ensure their personnel periodically inquired about his needs. Air Canada now has 30 days to appeal.
1: It's been two months, two and a half months rather, since the Israel-Hamas war began. In that time, Iran has seen an upsurge in atrocities, particularly against minorities. As Negar Moshehedi reports, Iranian Canadians here believe as the world's attention is focused on the Middle East, Iran is ramping up brutality against its own people.
17: Since October in particular, there has been such an uh, upsurge of uh, violent uh, persecution uh, of the Baha'i community in Iran. They are raiding the house in a very violent way. At gunpoint, they enter the homes of the Baha'is. This Vancouver woman is Baha'i, belonging to Iran's largest non-Muslim minority religion, one where your mere existence is enough to land you in prison. In Iran, people of the Baha'i faith are denied burial rights, higher education, most jobs, and more recently, they're also unable to register their marriage. Forty arrests have been done since October. These three Baha'is sentenced to more than two years collectively in prison for operating a daycare. It makes me feel extremely saddened. According to the Baha'i international community, the Iranian regime's tactics are changing, with more arrests targeting women and the elderly, violent raids, and harsher prison sentences. The Baha'is have been trying to help the people who have been hit by the earthquake. They have been taken away on accusation that uh, they are uh, working against the government. Human rights experts say the persecution of Baha'is is is a litmus test for what will follow next in Iran. Since the distraction of the Israel-Hamas war, the number of executions has increased to more than three people a day, according to Iran Human Rights.
3: For November, uh, we have 115 executions,
10: and uh, October, 84 executions.
17: This includes the hanging of a woman life freedom protester and a 29-year-old woman who was once a child bride victim. So far in December, Iran human rights says there has been at least 32 hangings.
5: Normally, these executions would have led to international outrage. This time, unfortunately,
3: we didn't see strong reactions.
17: Back in Vancouver, Shohreh Rasser is asking the world to pay attention. We have the right to a decent life. To have civil rights. She reads a letter written by an Iranian Baha'i woman serving a 10-year prison sentence for her religious beliefs. Every time I, I read it, I feel extremely moved. Her message for all Iranians is to stand united in their struggles. Please do not disqualify us and hear our narratives from us directly. <laughs> While Shohre Raser watches the news unfold in angst, she believes her pain is one with all Iranians fighting injustice. Because our story is one. We are in it together. Negar Moshihedi, Global News.
0: In health matters tonight, another troubling side effect of the new trend of using drugs like Ozempic for weight loss. Poison control centers in Canada and the U.S. are reporting increased calls for what they're calling overdoses of the medication. Doctors say many of the problems could be caused by people increasing the dosage too quickly or taking doses too close together.
6: If you ramp up in the dose too quickly, then you'll get more of
12: those side effects. Wait until your symptoms have gone away, and then go back down to the last tolerated dose.
0: In a statement to Global News, Ozempic maker Novo Nordisk says it takes all reports about adverse events seriously, and says patients should have detailed discussions with their patients about the proper use of the medication
11: coming up pet therapy they bring joy like everybody smiles
1: how the road to recovery starts with a cuddle for this support worker and the people she helps plus
3: it's been a been a whirlwind a lot of of information
0: former bc lion quarterback nathan rourke gets another shot in the nfl his thoughts about landing in new england coming up in sports with squire Our favorite tradition is Christmas Eve. We get everybody in the family who's available to come over and all the kids get to open one gift and almost always it's pajamas.
1: My only holiday tradition is that I bake shortbread. It's the only cookie I know how to bake and it is delicious if I do say so myself. And it's very calming. I have to get started on that actually.
0: The assessment of your shortbread cookies is unanimous (laughs) around here, by the way. They are amazing.
1: They're pretty good.
0: (laughs) They're they're so good. I've eaten my weight in them. All right, uh, moving on. A Port Moody hatchery has captured some magnificent big cats on one of its wildlife cameras.
1: Take a look, these four cougars moving through the Mossum Creek watershed. The Mossum Creek hatchery says it wanted to share this video to remind people how to coexist with wildlife. It says cougars tend to stay hidden from sight and are intelligent animals who will move toward easy food sources. Hatchery staff are reminding people to keep food and attractants out of their yards and to never feed the wildlife so that cougars don't show up on anyone's property.
0: Big, healthy-looking cats. All right, let's check in with Christy now for a look at the weather as we well, a lot of people will be off tomorrow and heading into the holidays. Christy?
13: That's right. So we're really going to hone in on our travelers' forecast. I just want to quickly mention: yes, winter arrives officially today. and uh, This evening, seven twenty-seven p.m. Today being the shortest day of the year, and beyond this, we get longer and longer the days. That is, um, sunrise is at eight oh five a.m. Sunset at four sixteen p.m. And I don't know if you uh, if you feel the same way, but with these dark clouds around, it feels like sunsets more like three p.m. Um, it takes a little while for the days to get longer initially the changes really only by a few seconds but as we approach spring break that's when we start to see that change in day length accelerate. Uh, it is mild across the region and we are going to drop to near seasonal value this weekend but look at as we head into Christmas day, boxing day once again that warmth surges and we're expecting wet weather so we're right back into this similar pattern with freezing levels climbing. No chance of a, a white Christmas here in metro Vancouver and very slim chance for those of you in the interior as well so highs of only two degrees as you head towards your Christmas day whereas average is minus two now tomorrow though we are going to see a front move across that's going to bring wind and rain to the south coast area and we're going to get in behind it late in the day so we'll see some breaks of blue sky windy conditions as well but is that when we're expecting the freezing levels to drop and we have the potential for some mountain passes so tomorrow if you're traveling you may start the day off with rainfall but it will change over to snow freezing levels and temperatures are going to drop as that cold front moves across tomorrow that includes the Allison Pass connector expecting snowfall likely just rain if you're headed up to whistler but there's a chance you may see some wet snow in the meantime the bulk of the warmer temperatures will be earlier in the day it will be later in the day and behind that cold front that you'll start to see those temperatures drop off again with freezing little uh, sort of dropping as you head towards the end of the day all right so periods of rain in the morning breaks of blue sky in the afternoon cooler but not bad conditions expected over the weekend before rain shifts back in on sunday here's tonight Central windows weather window coming to from smithers sean sharing this with a beautiful shot this was just from this evening so thanks sean and yet again another lot of viewers now listening in and sending us photos from all corners of the province
0: we love those small towns watching and making sure you're sending us some of those good photos mm-hmm.
1: awesome thanks christy all right squire is here now and nathan rourke uh, squire hoping to play some patriot games
10: Sorry. Nice. I like that one. That's good. I don't know.
1: I think it's I'm overtired.
10: <laughs> it's all the shortbread and
0: chocolate we've been eating. Yeah, in The good yeah. old movie all week.
10: reference there. Good there <laughs> movie reference. Well, he is the new guy in New England, and former BC Lions star Nathan Rourke is happy to be there.
3: It's been a been a whirlwind. A lot of a lot of information. A lot of new faces. A lot of new people. But it's been good so far. Yeah.
10: Of course, he became a Patriot because he was claimed from Jacksonville via the waiver wire. He is quickly learning the Patriot system.
1: Also tonight, muffin and cupcake, bringing hope to those in recovery.
0: It's a rodeo down there in Texas for the Canucks tonight.
10: Did you ever go to a Dallas Stars game when you lived down there? I did, yeah.
0: On the 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 day I auditioned for the job, actually. Really? Yeah. Good crowd? It was a good crowd. Right. I knew the ref, so I yelled at him during the game, and everybody in the stands was like... He must have been very impressed. That guy,
10: hey, that guy knows hockey.
0: like, Canadians know everybody.
10: <laughs> That's right, there's only about 15... <laughs> in a hockey rink, here. yeah. In
0: a hockey rink, right.
10: Okay, so the uh, Canucks road trip is ending tonight in Dallas against a team that, like Vancouver, is now an upper echelon club. Well, Dallas has been for a while. Vancouver's new to that club. Uh, this is a team, though, Vancouver has beaten already this year. They shut him out 2-0 in early November. Thatcher Demko was the star that night. Canucks 6-0-1 in their last seven, second best team in the NHL. And There's the, the Stars, and uh, here are the Stars of the Canucks. Actually, Dallas, in the last few years, has had trouble with Vancouver. But they do get a chance there that is stopped by Demko, and watch what happens here. Two-on-one, Garland, Dakota Joshua. Still getting goals from the bottom six. You need that, and Dakota Joshua with his eight, that makes it one nothing. Nikita Zadorov, when he hits people, there's zero gravity. Just leave their feet. Now that's a penalty, but still, it was fun to see him lay into Jamie Benn there. Dallas will tie it, Tyler Sagan. That will make it one-one, that's a four-on-four situation and then these stars would get the lead in the second period. Rope hints, they kind of forget about him here. Robertson out in front and it's a nice little move and a goal as he slides on his face afterwards. Two to one, but look who ties it. Besser, this is an old school Besser goal. A lot of them come down close now, but this is what he did when he first got in the NHL. That's a great shot. 2-2 after two. The Canucks have been badly outshot in two periods, but they are even going into the third. Well, Connor McDavid and the Oilers are taking on the Devils. Oilers on a three-game losing streak after winning eight in a row. Rebound here for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Good BC boy. Makes it 2-0 in the first period. Devils got the next three as Timo Meyer jams this one in underneath Calvin Pickard. It was a Devils 3-2 after two, but then First of the, night for the, Devils. the Oilers refound their offense and they are up 5-3 in the third period. Well, as we said earlier this week, Nathan Rourke getting picked up by the New England Patriots on waivers is a good thing for him. I know Jacksonville is a better team, but in New England, because he was picked up on waivers, he cannot be sent to the practice roster for the rest of the season, and that's where he basically was down in Florida. That means if he's not on the practice roster and he's on the regular roster, he gets more money. There are three games left in the regular season. The chances of Rourke getting into a game now are pretty good because the Patriots are not very good and their quarterbacks have been brutal. So why not give the Canadian kid a chance? Let's see what he's got. And of course, the Patriots means he's in a hallowed place despite this being an off year. And he'll get to tell his grandchildren one day that he was coached by Bill Belichick.
3: Yeah, I'm honored. It's a, it's a great uh, organization. Uh, I got a lot of respect for this league, and obviously a lot of respect for the Coach Belichick and, and Coach O'Brien. And um, it's uh, yeah, it's been pretty cool to, to be here so far. It's been a lot. It's been uh, I think football is football to a certain extent, but just learning the language um, this far into it has, has been dif- difficult. But no, I don't I don't uh, put it past myself to be able to pick it up. Uh, doing my best, and the guys are supporting me the best p- as possible.
10: Major League Baseball is squeaking some rules on the pitch clock. If there are runners on base, pitchers now have 18 seconds to throw the ball instead of 20. If there are no men on base, it's still the same as last year, 15. And they don't like mound visits, so they'll be reduced from five to four per game. Apparently fans hate mound visits the most when it comes to getting things that don't slow the game down or that do slow the game down out of the game. There you go. That's like right. together, Shohei I'm Otani. I wonder if he paid for that seat. He could buy the whole an stadium anime. now. Anyways, watching the Rams and the Saints and this is Derek Carr to Rashid Shaheed. That's a 45-yard touchdown which cut LA's lead to 10-7, but just before halftime. The Rams got another touchdown DeMarcus Robinson from Matthew Stafford. 17-7 Rams at Half time. there you go all right thanks squire the
0: promise of pet therapy bringing hope to those in recovery coming up next
1: Andrew is here now with a look ahead to Global News at 11 tonight. Anne? Thanks, Sophie. We'll have reaction to the Canadian
5: Transportation Agency's decision to issue Air Canada a $97,000 fine for failing to help a disabled passenger. And the Vancouver Fire Rescue Service is reporting it's seen a significant increase in incidents related to lockable butane torches. A large number of them are being used on the downtown east side. In fact, today alone, there were two SRO fires sparked by these devices. The torches stay locked, which significantly increases the fire risk. We'll have more on how Vancouver Fire is pushing to have these torches banned in the city. That's tonight at
1: 11. Sophie, Chris. All right, we'll see you then. Thanks, Anne.
0: A Vancouver woman who once struggled with substance abuse and depression is now helping others overcome those same challenges.
1: She has two tiny furry companions by her side. And as Travis Prasad reports, the Road to Recovery program at St. Paul's Hospital is having a
11: big impact.
8: What better example of big things coming in small packages than these tiny chihuahuas?
11: They bring joy, like everybody smiles.
8: Muffin and cupcake are unofficial therapy dogs at Road to Recovery, a mental health and addictions program at St. Paul's Hospital.
15: You are the best dog in the world. <laughs>
11: Their
8: owner is Junco, a peer support worker who once sought treatment for her own substance use struggles at St. Paul's.
11: The hospital was A REALLY, REALLY SCARY PLACE FOR ME. AND I COULDN'T REACH OUT FOR SUPPORT FOR MANY YEARS.
8: SHE FOUND BRINGING HER DOG COCO TO THE HOSPITAL MADE IT A MORE COMFORTABLE PLACE.
11: I SEE COCO like WALKING ON THE FLOOR AT THE HOSPITAL. AND I SLOWLY GAINED STRENGTH AND HOPE AND PURPOSE TO LIVE AND GET BETTER FOR MYSELF AND FOR COCO.
8: NOW ON THE OTHER SIDE OF THE HEALING PROCESS, SHE'S PAYING IT FORWARD.
3: YOU WANT TO HELP ME TODAY?
8: PROVIDING PEOPLE IN RECOVERY WITH THE SWEETNESS OF CUPCAKE AND MUFFIN.
3: So don't look down on you. They're there for you. And these dogs mean a lot to me. I don't know what I would do
11: without them. That's such a powerful thing, especially in substance use and mental health. Like we need connection, belonging, acceptance. Like they bring all that. Three, two,
8: one. Every holiday season, the St. Paul's Foundation turns on the lights of hope. Fundraising for Providence healthcare programs, including compassionate patient care by people with lived experiences.
13: To know that donors are helping to make that part of uh, people's journey in in the difficult, challenging times is really important. To understand what they're going through and
11: to to see to feel their pain together. Like I wanted to be that one who can be a support
8: heading into the new year junko says she'll keep up the compassion with the help of her four-legged companions travis prasad global news
0: muffin and cupcake so cute <laughs>
1: you can fit them in your pockets
0: you sure could Pocket pants. <laughs> all right uh before we uh before i head out for the holidays maybe we'll get a last look at the weather forecast as we get closer to christmas christy
13: It's going to be a rather stormy day tomorrow with periods of rain in the morning and even windy later in the day as the front moves across. A little cooler over the weekend but just near seasonal values and as you can see Christmas Day, Boxing Day at this point it looks like it's going to be wet but mild. Keep in mind um, those are still days away. It's not going to be a soaker all day long. We'll refine that as we get closer but certainly it does look wet as you can tell. Are you off tomorrow Christy? I am. I'm back on okay. Christmas Eve, though. So I'm just well, off for a couple of days and then back on Christmas Eve. Okay. All right.
0: All right. You won't be I'll all hang. alone. I will <laughs> be here. I'll I'll, never I'll, off. I'll hang with you. Don't worry. Okay. Um, happy holidays, everybody. See you next year. Happy holidays. <laughs> happy
1: see you next year. <laughs> or some point.
0: Thanks for watching, everybody.